0: We've been in this series now since Easter about seeing, about how that we are seen by God and how God sees us. In the good times, in the bad times, in the average times, God is always looking and searching and he sees you and you have his attention. The Bible says you're what? The apple of his eye. And like I shared a couple of weeks ago, Matthew's gospel number 10 says that he's so amazing that he even knows the number of hairs on your head. And for some of the men in here, that's a miracle. And then... He not only knows your heart, Hebrews 4 said, but he knows the very intention thereof of your heart. So today I want to take a different perspective as we're looking at being seen, and I want to talk to you about seeing God's favor in famine. Too often Christians, children of God, Get into a place in our life where we're walking through a season of famine. What is famine? Famine is loss. Famine is failure or a fear of failure. Famine is mistake. Famine is fear. You know, famine is being falsely judged or being harsh on yourself or someone else or whatever it might be. But when we're going into that famine, what is that? That means we're lacking. We're doing without what we need, and we don't feel the energy and the confidence and the faith of who God designed us to be. And in those seasons of famine, wherever you're at, maybe it's depression, maybe it's addiction, maybe it's fear, and you find yourself in that season of famine, what I want you to realize is understand that we're always seen; that God always sees us as his very own children. That God's attention has never left you, that God's attention will never leave you. Even in your famine season, even when you're misunderstood by others or maybe you don't even understand yourselves, you, you, it's easy to feel like maybe God's abandoned us or he's removed his favor. But God will never abandon you because he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll never give take away your favor. Why? Because when you were born again in Christ Jesus through grace, and he is our grace, what happened? that is favor. Grace is the same word in the Greek or root word for charis, charis where we get grace from and charisma where we get gifts from. What is it talking about? He is our grace. That is the same also root for favor. Jesus is not only your grace, Romans 5 says, but Jesus is your favor. And if you're born again, if you're blood bought, what's that mean? That means that God's grace is what? Sufficient for you. That means that God's Favor is with you. That means that His favor will never leave you. His favor will never forsake you. And what I want you to understand, we don't earn His favor. It's a free gift, just like grace is a free gift. But if I'm not reading the tea leaves right, as we say, or if I'm looking at a situation and judging it by how good I am, I will fail every time. Because I've never been good enough, I never will be good enough, but I'm chosen. I'm his son, I'm his child, just like you others and you're, that are believers. You're his sons, you're his daughters. And what we've got to come to realize is, is that sometimes you don't know what God's plan is until you're in the place you're supposed to be. I said sometimes you don't know what God's plan or purpose is for your life until you find yourself in the place you should be. Now, we would picture that as a place with no problems and no worries and no sickness and no fear. No, that's heaven. It's not earth. No, we face those things, but what I want you to realize, you're not facing them alone. What I want you to realize is that his favor, just like his grace, is sufficient for you. Romans 8 says this in verse 28, it says, we will know all things work together. What? And we will know that all things work together for good. What's that mean? Good things and bad things. On-time things and late things. Painful things and joyful things. All things will work for good for what? Those who love God. To those who call or are called according to his purpose. Well, that, that must mean a called person could be me. Oh, no, you don't understand. 1 Timothy 2.9 says, "...whom he has saved and called." Not or called. "...whom he has saved and called." What? Not with your own calling, but with a holy calling that comes from God through grace and in, in Christ Jesus the Lord When before time began. Before time began, he set salvation up for you, and you must choose salvation. Just as you must choose, when you choose salvation, you chose grace. When you chose grace, you chose favor. And once you have that, as long as you love God and you're there, He's never going to He wouldn't leave you or forsake you anyway. But you might feel abandoned, you might feel misunderstood, and you might feel like that you just no way God could even love you anymore. And that's when you got to realize the Bible says He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if He loved me before I was His child. Why would he not love me while I am his child? Can anyone say amen this morning? Mm -hmm. So living in God's favor does not magically mean that you're just not going to have any problems anymore. It just doesn't magically mean that, you know, you won't worry anymore. You won't have fear anymore. That you won't battle sickness anymore. But what it does mean is that his favor has not left you, will not leave you, and he can even take the bad things and turn them into good and take whatever you're stepping in and turn it into something pleasant even though it don't smell so good. You know where I'm going with that, right? It's easy to believe that maybe I'm not living in God's favor if things are not going good. What does that mean? When things are not going good, what is that? That's a famine season. That's a barren season. That that's a season when when I see that that, that things are not turning out the way I'd planned. That's the season when I've let myself down or I've let someone else down or even more, I've let God down. I think some of the most painful things in my life was when I would let my mother down before she passed or when I let Steph down or when I let God down. When I let those down, what does that do? That that almost crushes you, doesn't it? It doesn't even have to be something big. It could be something small. But the more you love someone or the more you love something, when it doesn't measure up or you don't measure up and feel you deserve it, Then what happens? You enter into that, you're in this season of famine. And in that, it produces worry, it produces fear, it produces anger, it produces unforgiveness, it produces bitterness. Why does it do that? Because it is the opposite of God's favor. What is favor? Favor magnifies the fruits of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5 says, In the Holy Spirit is what? Joy, gentleness, kindness, faith, patience, all these seven fruits are in the Spirit of God. So what happens is when you feel that you don't deserve favor, you're not walking in favor, you don't deserve grace, you're not walking in grace, what happens to you? At that point, you go to the opposite of who God called you to be. And you begin, instead of having faith, you have fear. Instead of having peace, you have anger. Instead of having patience, you're in a hurry, and you're unsettled, and you're anxious. But in Holy Spirit, and it shouldn't even say the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the one and only Holy Spirit. It shouldn't just say in Holy Spirit, because Holy Spirit is not a thing, not an adjective. Holy Spirit is a noun. He is the third part of the Trinity of God. Holy Spirit is part of God. Holy Spirit is real, and He is alive, and Jesus sent Him to be with you, and to live inside you, to become his treasures of earthen vessels. While you're on this planet, God's not only with you, he's in you. Mm -hmm. But you must choose to see him. You must choose to see him through your circumstances. You must choose to see him in your situation, whether it's good or bad. Now, you say, Pastor, how can God be with me and in me when I'm going through hell and I'm going through pain and I'm suffering? It's really simple. God is an ambidextrous God. What's that mean? He is not only right-handed, he is left-handed. He's ambidextrous. He's equally skilled in both hands. Now, when I was a boxer when I was young, What what I learned was when you're boxing and you're leading with your left hand, setting somebody up, if you're fighting a left-hander, which is called a southpaw, right, and you do what you normally do, you're going to get knocked out real quick. What you got to do, you don't change your stance. You stop leading with your left hand. And you start leading with your right hand until you can get a hook or something in there on that person. If you try to lead your left hand, they're just sitting here like this. And you just stick it out. Every time you stick the left hand out, look there, a perfect shot. That's the way it is with the devil. We get all tore up about what's going on, but we don't see God the way we see him. And realize sometimes God's fighting as a southpaw. Sometimes he's not fighting for us the way we've seen him fight for us previously. Sometimes it requires a different opponent. A different timing, a different situation, different circumstances. But be of good cheer, he'll never leave you or forsake you. Let understand this: his favor is not just with you, his favor is in you. His grace is not just for you, his grace is in you, and his grace is sufficient. And when you realize that your God is an ambidextrous God, that he's equally strong in the good times and equally strong in the bad times. He's equally strong in the joyful times, he's equally strong in the painful and sad times he's equally strong in the life living times and in the dying times because to have god is to gain can anybody say amen this morning i mean i could preach about job this morning because didn't everybody think job messed up right because he was suffering but really what it was he let his hedge down And when he let his heads down, he feared that his kids wouldn't serve God and it left an open door for Satan, but he recovered all, 100%, 100 times what he had. But get this, I'm going to talk to you about somebody else today. I'm going to talk to you about Joseph. Everybody say Joseph this morning. And if you want to learn about an ambidextrous God, you want to learn about a God that's as strong in the the bad times as he is in the good times on your behalf, then this is the guy you need to study. So here's here's what I want you to know today. We must choose, everybody say choose. We must choose to see God in our famine seasons. We must choose to see. Now, you can look at your circumstances, and that becomes your God. You worship your circumstances. What do you mean? Well, I don't have enough. I'm not good enough. I'll never be what I need to be. I'll never have what I need to have. I'll just always be me. I'll always make it a while and blow it. Make it a while and blow it. See, that's the problem. You're worshiping it. What do you mean worship? Worship just means give adoration and attention to. If you're focused more on what's going wrong and how things are not working out for you, then you're giving worship and adoration. But if you'll get your eyes focused on the favor of God, the love of God, the power of God, the grace of God, the anointing of God, and then all of a sudden, you're going to overcome the enemy of the famine that you're in. Actually, God doesn't just use the famine. Sometimes the famine is the favor. I'm going to show you that here in a minute. Now, I'm going to start reading here from Genesis 42. Genesis 42 about the life of Joseph, but I'm going to skip a lot of key points about his life. Remember, he was the youngest child in the family. And not only that, he was the one that had the dream. He was called the dreamer and had the vision that one day, everybody in my family is going to be bowed down before me. And that was hard even for Pops to accept, right? He said, "You, you mean even I'll be bowed down before you? But his dad made him a coat of many colors and his other brothers hated him. And one day his father sent him out to bring lunch out into the fields where they were taking care of the sheep. And what did they do? They were going to kill him. But one of the brothers said, don't kill him. We don't want his blood on our hands. Let's just dig a pit over here and beat him up and leave him in that pit for a while. So they're just going to leave him in the pit. But then these, these slave traders come along, and they're looking for slaves or whatever. They say, hey, we got somebody over here. And they sold their brother into slavery. I mean, that's, that's starting a season of famine in your life, isn't it? You're the chosen one in your family. You're the dreamer. You're the visionary, and now you're in slavery. And then what happens? He goes on, and he turns that, that situation of slavery into where he, he got honor and honored the man in his house, and, and he became the head of this wealthy man's household until his wife got lustful and jealous because he wouldn't have sex with her. She lied and said he raped her, and now he went from the palace To the pit. What's the pit? He went from the pit to the palace. Now he goes from the palace to the bottom of the jail cell. And he's the lowest in the jail cell. But over time, his favor began to show. People could see that he could dream and that he could interpret dreams. In other words, your gift makes room for you. And what you'll find out, you may not see your favor, but your favor sees you. You may not understand how you can even have the strength to do what God called you to do, what God wants you to do, to love someone that's hurt you, to forgive someone that's unforgivable, to do something that you never could do on your own, whether it's speaking or teaching. You you, you don't understand how that could happen. You don't need to understand. You just need to choose favor. (laughs) Because when I choose favor, I'm choosing gifts. I'm choosing God's gifts for my life instead of my circumstances. Now I'm worshiping God. And what happened? Then all of a sudden, Pharaoh was having these dreams. And he was killing these false prophets and liars around him. And he, his dream was troubling him. And they said, hey, this baker got sent. He, he, he interpreted a dream and got out of jail. And he said, hey, there's this kid down there named Joseph. He can interpret dreams. So, <clears throat> excuse me, my throat's a little in famine right now. <clears throat> but I still have favor. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I know I'm human too. I know it's hard to believe that. Spend a day with me and you'll realize I'm real human. So here he is. He's in, the, he's in jail. Now he gets promoted out. But as we see this, Joseph is living in God's favor. So let's go there. I want you to realize God can work us just as well with his right hand in the good times as he can in the difficult times with his left hands on your behalf because favor has already chose you. Everybody say, favor has chosen me. Let's begin. let me read a few verses in Genesis 42, verse 1. It says, when Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt. Well, first of all, let me back up. Remember, he had this vision, Pharaoh did. And when he had that vision, what did he mean? It was like he saw this grain and he saw this, these animals for seven years. Well, Joseph basically interpreted for him that you have seven years. You have so many years to prepare, and then once you do, we're going to have a seven-year drought. Get all the grain Get all the food, everything stored up you can, and all the nations will bow themselves before you, Pharaoh, and they will come to you, and you will own everything they own. You'll have everything they have. It will be yours. And he believed him, and he kept storing and storing. And when this drought hit, think about it, Joseph, even when it seemed he was in a famine, in a pit, he was in God's favor. God didn't put it on him, but he didn't take his favor. Even when he was in the palace and falsely accused, he was in God's favor. Even when he was in the jailhouse, he was in God's favor. And now here he is at the right hand of Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet, the most powerful nation on the planet, get this now, and he's still in favor. You see, you don't choose when you are or aren't in favor. You just choose when you see favor Because favor always sees (laughs) you. So now we're in a situation where uh, Jacob's family are starving. I'm sorry about that. Woo, that's exciting. Maybe the microphone's in famine now, right? And we see this situation where the world is in famine. And it's several years. It's already two years into it and people are dying And then this is what Jacob said. When Jacob heard grain was available in Egypt, he said to his sons, who are these sons? The one that threw him in a pit and sold him to slavery, right? Why are you standing around looking at one another? I've heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, otherwise we will die. Not just them, their children, their wives, all those that work with them, everyone, basically a nation would die. So Joseph's 10 older brothers went went down to Egypt to buy grain, but Jacob wouldn't let Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin, go with them. For fear, Egypt, along with the others, uh, to buy food. For the famine was in Canaan as well. And since Joseph was governor of all Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came And when they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces on the ground. You may say, well, well, remember what I said? Well, you know, maybe the famine is the favor. Think of it like this. Joseph's in jail. If there had been no famine, there would be no need for him to have a drink to interpret the dream of Pharaoh that would get him out of jail and put him on the top right under the most powerful man in the world. So a lot of times you're looking at your problems, your circumstances, and you're living in hate and bitterness and unforgiveness, maybe you don't even like yourself, rather than look at those circumstances and say they are stepping stones to the victory God has for me. They're stepping stones of grace. They're stepping stones of favor. God didn't put it on me, but he sure empowered me to use it in my favor. Remember Romans 8? The steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. So no matter where I step, And it may not look good, it may be shaky, it may be rocky, but be of good cheer. If I just keep my eyes on favor and keep my eyes on grace, what happens is every step I take sooner or later, I'm going to end back on the right hand instead of the left hand in the fun and the joy. But no matter what happens when I don't live in fear and I don't live in worry and I'm like, oh, what if I blow it? Oh, life's doing good. What if I mess life up? Or life stinks. What if I never have a good life? All you're doing is worshiping the enemy. You know who the enemy is? The enemy of not enough. The enemy of not good enough. The enemy of can never do it. The enemy of never have, why will you again or in the future? You see, Satan has a language just like God has a language. His language is is prejudice and racism and hatred and division and and all these things, but God is love and unity and power and strength and family. See which language are you speaking? The Bible says out of the out of the heart speak out of the mouth speaks the abundance of the heart. Out of the mouth speaks what you really believe. Out of the mouth speaks what you really think. And that's why it's important to get that under control and realize that no matter what it looks like to everybody else, they could judge me if I want to. they want to, but I am favored. I am chosen by God. I am his favor. I am his grace because I'm his child. Can anybody say amen to that? So when we think about Joseph walking in, fa- in famine, his famine became his favor. Now, it wouldn't have necessarily been his favor if he had the attitude of, God's left me again every time I get moving I get knocked back down again every time I think I've made it I get just put to the back of the bus again and all he's doing, but instead he didn't he just said okay God you were with me through that you were with me in the pit you were with me in the palace you were with me in the jail you'll be with me on this throne and that's where you got to look at it it's always going to get better Oh, but it looks worse. It even got worse. It doesn't matter. If God's in it, it's going to be better because it's making you better and you're going to do better and greater things than you could have done if you didn't have to step through that stuff. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So what happened was, whenever this fam- when this dream happened, what happened, it all of a sudden began to show not only, see, Joseph knew he was favored by God. But now, what it did, it opened an opportunity for others to see his favor. When you, when you have an opportunity to forgive, you have an opportunity to show other people your favor. When you have an opportunity to love someone that doesn't love you, you have an opportunity to show God's favor. When, when, whenever you're broke and don't have two cents rubbed together, and you don't pour mouth and act broke and tired, you know, and you just thank God and be glorious and work hard and keep your hands busy and do what you got to do. Favor will bring you to the other side. Man, my mom, when when my dad died, she had a house full of kids, and I was the youngest at the time, and and she was working three jobs as a waitress with an eighth grade education. And, you know, back then you had milk money, right? And then I got up to about fifth grade. They actually had, back then, some uh, machines you could actually buy some soda or you could buy a candy bar or something. And I'm like, man, back then, you know, milk was like two cents. That's how old I am, right? She said, here you are, son. Here, here's a quarter. I was like, Mom, a quarter? I mean, you got to realize I only had two clean pairs of pants, about three clean pairs of shirt, and a plastic pair of tennis shoes. That's what I had. But I was clean. I was neat. And she said, Son, I don't ever want you to pour them out. I don't ever, you don't ever say you don't have it or you don't have enough. Here's a quarter. You buy your milk, and if you want a snack, you get your snack, and you take care of it. Don't ask any of those kids for any money. You're not poor. And that stuck with me. Even when I was in debt had to come out of debt, that stuck with me. I realized I got a choice. I could choose God's favor and his blessing and his giftings, or I could choose my circumstances. But she taught me that. And what I want you to realize, I'm trying to teach you today. What happened if you started praising God in the middle of your mess? What would happen if you broke out into joys of tears flowing down your face when you're sitting on the front row of a funeral home? What, 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 I, I've had people walk in such joy at a funeral. Even this past week, John, with, with your, your, your lovely sister-in-law, Becky, that went to be with the Lord, he, he said, man, I, we were talking after, he said, I, I felt almost kind of weird that, that I just had such joy, even though it's been a painful two and a half years, I've lost the love of my life. But I, I said, don't feel guilty for that. That's God's grace. That's God's favor. And he said, you're right. And all of a sudden, he starts just so excited. He said, I was actually feeling guilty. Satan will make you feel guilty about God's favor if you'll let him. But you've got to choose favor. You've got to choose grace. You've got to choose victory. It doesn't matter if he's coming at you from the right side or the left side. You serve an ambidextrous God, and he's already won the battle. The only difference between boxers that don't win and are not champions, they're always down. But a champion is always getting back up. Be a champion. Be getting back up out of your mess. Be getting back up out of your circumstances. Be getting back up out of your situation. That's not your God. Favor is your God. Grace is your God. Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords is your God. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Father. Look at a few more verses. Look at Genesis 45 real quick with me. Begin in verse 3. And he looked at his brothers and said, I am Joseph. Now think about it. His brothers, he's a little old tiny teenager when they threw him in slavery. They didn't know he's a man. He's been through prison. He's been through slavery. I mean, this dude's been through everything. And now he's a prince. And they're standing back there, and they don't really even recognize this guy, right? He probably didn't have a beard when they threw him in the pit, right? He definitely didn't have the cool clothes and all that. And there's thousands, tens of thousands of people there begging for food. And he brings them up to the front. And he says, I am Joseph. And he said to his brothers, is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize Joseph was standing in front of them. That was bad enough, thinking of what their father would do when he finds out that what they had done to him. But look at this. Joseph's standing right in front of them, and he says, please come closer. And he said to them, so they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. This is favor talking. It's not Joseph talking because Joseph wanted to probably just cut their heads off, right? But this is favor talking. i tell you what, there's times I talk from Dalton, and there's times I talk from favor. And it's always better when I talk from favor than I talk from Dalton. Anybody else believe that for you? He said, now he's telling these guys that threw him in slavery, cost him to be in prison, all these things of his life, to be away from his family. He said, but don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years has five more years to go, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you, Ooh, to keep his accusers, to keep his attackers. It's bad enough when someone betrays you, but it can't get any worse than when family betrays you, right? And, and, and he's looking, he said, but God has sent me ahead not only to preserve myself, but to, want to preserve you. And then he said this, to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was, God sent me here, not you. In other words, he didn't like the journey. God didn't want him to be in the pit. He didn't want to be in the prison, but he was going to use all that because sometimes you don't know your purpose till you get in the place God says you're supposed to be. It, it, it took the pit, it took prison to get him into the place he needed to be. Never underestimate God. Never underestimate favor. Never underestimate grace. Because if you do, you're going to miss your place. But if no matter what, I'm in the place I'm supposed to be right now. No matter what, I'm forgetting the past. It's done. It's over whether it's good or bad. I'm in the place I'm supposed to be because this is the journey I'm on. Okay, favor, what's next? What could Satan do to you? huh, make you shake and make you sleepless and roll around in fear. When you got revelation that favor is in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your hurt, in the middle of your sorrow, in the middle of your debt, in the middle of your pain, favor is there to bring you out and it's just a stepping stone to the greater that person than you could ever be. I've been through some hard stuff in my life and I've told you all about it, even after being a minister, things that we went through here financially as a church when the economy crashed in 07. And God brought us through. We're still here. But there was a painful 10-year run, and it aged me a little bit. But you know what? I don't want to go through it again. You heard that, Lord, right? (laughs) But I do know this. I'm a better man now because I went through it than I would have been if I didn't go through it. It knocked some pride off. It knocked some edges off. God didn't make the decisions that God has said that Dalton did and our team. I did but God used my mistake not to buy this property, but the way we did it and all that, the timing, I guess. God used all that stuff to make me a better man, to make me a man that loves better, that graces better, that gives favor away better. My boys, they'd be in a grocery store or something with me. They're grown men. and All of a sudden, some family maybe that used to work here did served with us, and, and everybody knows they were really coming against us, maybe even on social media harsh and, you know, criticizing me or criticizing the church or this or that. And I was, hey man, how you doing? I will hug them. God bless you. And they're, oh, 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 Pastor Dalton. I once I wasn't your pastor when you were saying that about me. I'm, okay, yeah. Hey. And I just hug him and go on. We talk a few minutes. How's the kid? Okay. And then I just go on. And I had one of my sons and me say, Dad, how can you do that? I could barely stand there. I said, What do you mean? I could. I said, That's favor. What do you mean favor? I let that go when they did it. I, I knew that if I was offended, I'd be in prison. And I didn't want to be in a jail cell with them. So I just chose to love them anyway. You know what? I chose them the way God chose me. I chose to love them just as they are, not the way I think they should be. And I'm free. I don't, there's nobody I hate or I can't stand or I unforgive. Nobody. It's God's my way. Nobody. God, amen. Some people it's a little easier to love. <laughs> but love is still love, right? If you want to walk in favor, you got to give favor. If you want to walk in grace, you got to give grace. If you want to walk in love, you got to give love because it's a kingdom of sowing and reaping. God sowed his best so you could have grace and have favor and have eternal life. So how do you think you'll get off this planet without sowing your stuff from your pain, your sacrifice? You don't put your pain and sacrifice on people. You use that to lift people. God has sent me here to preserve you, your family, and many survivors. You see, Joseph recognized, or he saw, that he never stopped walking in God's favor through all the challenges he had been in. And I want you to realize this morning, no matter where you are, you think it can't get any worse, it can get worse. You think it can't get any tougher, it can get tougher. But that also means it can get better. And it can get Better and better, and gooder and gooder, as we say, right? But it's what you choose to see. You say, well, I don't walk like I used to, but you're above ground. You're breathing, right? Well, you know, I don't have the influence I used to have. Well, you probably have way more influence than you give yourself credit for. God's just using your influence a different way, that's all. Especially you that are retiring or have retired. Well, you know, I used to come to work and people respected me and this and that, and now I'm just another guy in the store. I'm just a. No, you're not. Your favor walking around, your grace walking around, your unconditional love walking around. You're the hands and feet of Christ walking around. That's what Love the City, Steph, and I've been believing for over 10 years to do that. And last year we got to do it twice. This year we're doing it twice. What's that? We come here on Sunday morning, we take six or seven projects, and we love our city all Sunday afternoon. There's nothing like it why? We're given mercy. We're given grace. We're given love. We're given favor. And people say, well, why do you all do that? I mean, you know, that has to hurt offering and all that. You don't have a church service and it's a Sunday. Can't you do it Sunday after church? So no, God said do it instead of church. Well, well why, why are you doing that? It's called sewing. What are you sewing to get? More favor. More grace, more love. Because if we can sow favor, grace, and love to our community, it's better for us, actually, than it is for the people you're sowing, even though you want to bless them. Because God's just sowing back on you 30, 60, 90, 100-fold favor, grace, and mercy. With Satan, you get what you give. But with God, you get above 30, 60, 90, and 100-fold of what you give. Whether that's handshakes, smiles, whatever it is. So don't don't underestimate favor, choose to see it. Don't underestimate grace, choose to see grace. Receive grace, receive favor. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, I just thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice today. And Father, there's probably some here today or watching online that needs your grace. You said in Romans 5 that Sin came through one man into this world, the first Adam, but you sent the second Adam, Jesus Christ, our grace, that we are saved by grace through faith in him. Lord, those that need Jesus right now, I'm not going to sit here and debate, did they know him, have they know him, could they know him? They know if they need Jesus. And I'm just going to ask them to raise their hands so we can pray for them right where they are so they can receive him, grace, favor, and mercy. In Jesus' name. So right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in here and you say, man, or online, I need Jesus. I want to be born again. I want to be blood-bought. I want my feet on a rock to stay. If that's you, on count of three, raise your hands. I want to pray for you. One, two, three. Just raise your hands high. I want to pray right where you're at. Right where you're at. Thank you for that hand back there, little buddy. Anybody else? You want to you you give your life to Christ right now? You want to you know you're know you born again? be heart free and clear, okay? And there's those online right now. I'll oh, thank you over there for that hand too. Yes, thank you for that hand over there too. Yes, praise God. And those online right now, there's always some online, so we're praying. Let's all say this prayer together with those right now and those online. And you that want to, you want Jesus in your heart, say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of sin. I believe Jesus rose from the dead, that his blood atones my salvation. You said, if I would believe and make Jesus Lord of my heart, I shall be saved. I believe I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I thank you. In Jesus' name, I'm blood-bought, born again, a child of God. Amen and amen. Give God a shout of praise.